name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Two weeks back, when Laura Warner Gilmer was preaching, I noticed she got our attention when she was talking about spiritual growth, and she said this, even the manure in our lives has value. And there was this uh, chuckle throughout the nave. Of course, all of that was based on Jesus' parable about the fig tree, which mentions manure, but I think the preacher's mentioning of manure got a response because, well, look, you don't hear about manure a lot from the pulpit, so it might be a little surprising and a little funny. But we also laugh because we can relate. <laughs> there are things about our lives that fit that description. Manure. Well, you probably don't expect to hear a lot about manure when you're reading the New Testament. And then we come to a passage like today's from St. Paul. You know, there's a certain detail in this Philippians reading that I remember from my Greek studies. Back in the day, I was a crackerjack at Greek. I had it as an undergraduate. I took advanced Greek studies when I was in graduate school. And though I'm a bit rusty, I still know how to use a lexicon. And I remember this passage. Paul says in our translation, For the sake of Christ, I've suffered the loss of all things, and I regard them as rubbish. And I thought, there's more to it than that word, rubbish. What is it? I look it up in my Greek lexicon, the standard for New Testament studies. It's skibala. Can you say it with me? Skibala. The literal meaning, excrement, dung, manure. There you have it, from the mouth of an apostle. I have suffered the loss of all things, and I regard them as BS. See what preachers do? They try to get your attention. Paul's doing the same thing with his readers. You don't expect the apostle to use a word like that. Maybe he wants you to gasp or chuckle. And then, as you gasp or chuckle, he wants you to relate. You know about this. Manure, BS, whatever your word you want to call it, you know it because you've got your own. I don't usually preach like this, but I'm going to go through that first half of the reading, line by line, so we can follow Paul's thoughts. Where he's going when he says, I regard everything as skibola, excrement, dung, manure. So here's how he starts. If anyone has reason to be confident in the flesh, I have more, he says. He is writing to people who have a high view of their own religiosity. They are confident in their flesh, their own efforts, their own rule-keeping, their own law observances. They believe that they are truly somehow better or superior to other people. And it's that superiority that gives them a standing with God. 
Paul says, you think you're confident? Hold my beer. And he goes into it. Circumcised on the eighth day. You know, part of the deeper context here is there is a group in the early church that thought Gentiles, non-Jews, becoming Christians, had to be circumcised. It was part of the law of Moses. And this group loves the law. They're called the Judaizers by scholars. So, you had to keep the law or the Old Testament laws, all 613 of them. And that meant you had to be circumcised. You had to keep kosher, certain things you could wear and not wear according to the law of Moses. Imagine for a minute, though, telling that to Dimitri, just, you know, an anonymous Greek convert who wants to follow Jesus. I can't eat bacon anymore. No more cheeseburgers, shrimp cocktails. And I have to do what to my what? Paul says, I did it circumcised on the eighth day, just like the law commands. He continues, a member of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin. So another Jew, Gentile thing. Paul saying, I'm no pagan, I'm no Roman, I'm no Greek. I am part of God's chosen people. I can relate or trace my genealogy through the tribe of Benjamin, as a matter of fact. I've got the resume, I've got all the credentials. One of the good guys. Then he tops it all out, a Hebrew of Hebrews, right? No mixed blood, he's a purebred. He's the real deal. Then he says this, as to the law, a Pharisee. Now we all know the Pharisees were scrupulous about keeping the law, or the 613 laws. But even more than that, they were also scrupulous about the traditions that rose up around the law. Right? So the law says you can't work on a Sabbath day, but the Pharisees knew exactly how many steps you took before your walking became work on the Sabbath day. Paul never colored outside of the lines. He was a Pharisee. He kept the law perfectly. As to zeal, he says, a persecutor of the church. Not only did Paul love the law, he hated those who didn't. And he went after them as heretics. He would round up Christians and bring them to trial under the Jewish system, all because he loved God. In Acts 7 through 8, it says that Paul was there approving when Stephen, the first Christian martyr, was killed. He was stoned by the Jewish leadership because of his blasphemous talk that this Jesus was the Messiah. And Paul was part of that mob. As to righteousness under the law, he says, catch this word, blameless. Let that sink in. Blameless. I did everything right until I realized I got it all wrong. Because that's what happens here. Now things turn upside down. Now there's a hinge 
to the second half of his story. Yet whatever gains I had, these I have come to regard as loss because of Christ. In Acts 9, the story of Paul's conversion is told. He's on his way to Damascus to persecute the Christian community there, doing God a big favor, of course. And Jesus appears to him. A fascinating part of this story is that Paul says to the risen Jesus, Who are you, Lord? Here is a man who is entirely confident he knows God, he serves God, he loves God, but he doesn't know him when he sees him face to face. More than that, he says, I regard everything as loss because of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. He came to know Christ. Not just in terms of law or doctrine or something between his ears. He uh, got it down into his heart that God is the kind of love he has now experienced in this Messiah who when he met him on the road to Damascus didn't wipe him out, didn't strike him dead, forgave him showered him with mercy and grace and gave him something to do, sent him out to preach a new word, a word of reconciliation to Jews and Gentiles, those who are far off and those who are near. And so Paul has to reevaluate everything. That's what this line is about. Everything before that he had in the win column, move it over to the loss column. All my judgment, loss. All my superiority, loss. All my self-righteousness, loss. All of my terrible hardness of heart, loss. Everything he thought was so right, he now sees is completely wrong when it comes to really knowing Jesus. And then the verse I began with. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things, and I regard them as skibala, crap, bull, you know what, excrement, too much, okay, I regard them as rubbish, garbage, refuse in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes through the law, but one that comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God based on faith. The righteousness that comes through faith is that we are loved, valued, accepted, forgiven, cherished, redeemed by God, not because we are good, but because God is good, not because we're knocking it out of the park with our righteousness project, really impressing God to have some kind of notice of us, but he's actually pursuing us, whether we think we're pursuing him or running the other way. It is God who finds us and embraces us and forgives us 
and offers us his love. The challenge of faith, of course, is us for really to believe and trust in that instead of whatever BS we're relying on, whatever alternative salvation project we've worked so hard to accomplish, to put just all of that over into the loss column and say, my big win is nothing about what I've done, achieved, or earned. It is simply that Christ loves me, died for me, gives me his grace, because of that miracle, I'm here and I can love him back. And I can love other people around me as well. I don't know how you relate to Paul's story. It sounds a little bit like mine. You know, since I was 15 years old, I could articulate, doctrinally speaking, this stuff about grace and the love of God. But did I really believe it? I think there are things about me, like Paul, that show I really didn't believe it. Maybe I had it in my head, but not in my heart. I wasn't a Hebrew of Hebrews, but I was pretty wrapped up in my credentials, my performance, you might say my adjectives. I didn't say I'm a Hebrew, I would say I'm an Episcopalian. And it felt good to be an Episcopalian at an evangelical college that I attended. I felt different. I felt special. I felt a little superior, to be honest. You know, the thing about adjectives is, is as you go along, one isn't enough. <laughs> I needed more adjectives. So then I used to say, I am an Anglo-Catholic Episcopalian. Or I am an Orthodox Episcopalian, of course, with a good bit of judgment towards folks I consider to be unorthodox. And then I became a priest because I wanted to do God a favor, right? So now I'm a person, right, with the answers in a pulpit. I can read the Greek New Testament, baby. I've got the credentials, the education. I'm wearing the clothes. Look at me. I'm a walking role model. And all of that worked for me until it didn't. Until it didn't. Until I got knocked down. And really had to have this kind of heart to heart with God. As if maybe that's what it's supposed to be about in the first place. A heart-to-heart -heart with God. Not about a person's performance or perfection or the role that I play or the rules that I keep or my sense of self-righteousness. Maybe it really is about God's righteousness. How God is right in loving imperfect people. And the big win was that I actually somehow, and I don't even know when, started to believe it. Not in my head, but in my heart. The stuff that Paul says about knowing Christ, I started to really know it and trust it and believe it for the first time. And all the other stuff 
that I had worked so hard on gradually got moved to the loss column. Even the manure in our lives has value. Do I have your attention? Your manure may be quite different from mine, but I bet you have your own personal salvation project. You're tempted to run. Maybe you think you always have to be right. Maybe you think you're worth something if you're successful. Maybe belonging to God means belonging to the right group or party or organization. Maybe you feel that you need to have a smile plastered on your face and pretend you're happy all the time. Maybe you feel like you have to have all the answers for God to accept you. Or maybe with Paul, you can say today, what a bunch of BS. And by that I mean bull skibala. <laughs> Instead of that, what I need, what I want, and what I have is a love, a righteousness that comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God based on faith. Maybe today you can look at your columns and switch them and fall into the arms of Jesus. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.